We all have big dreams, but far too often we never give them a chance to come true. Well, that all changes today. Welcome to Just Keep Learning, where we'll help you develop the right mindset, be more productive, and learn more effectively so you can accomplish anything. Here's your host, Justin at Just Tries. All right, let's go. This episode is brought to you by our newsletter, actually, the Just Keep Learning newsletter. I know it's a way that we're having a huge impact because people are sending us messages about it, and it's to help with creator business, but also the mindset that helps with any goal, really. So whether it's for you or a loved one, helping people succeed in this area is our life's work. So be sure to check it out. And just a side note, it's most beneficial if you actually reply and ask questions in the email, because then we can make sure that it's custom fit for you. Who knows, you'll even maybe get some of your own questions specifically answered in solo episodes or other issues of the newsletter. And you'll get an addition every Wednesday. We're also gonna do a ton of giveaways there. So if you haven't joined yet, be sure to sign up at newsletter.justkeeplearning.ca. Now, our guest today is a true inspiration for anyone who lacks the confidence to carve their own path. She's overcome many odds and statistics to become an entrepreneur, coach, and successful creator. And today, she shares incredible stories about grief and loss from her own life, and she also shares inspiring tips about overcoming challenges, building a mindset foundation for our own goals, and gives some tangible tips on starting your own business, as well as how to go live as a main content pillar. Please welcome to interview 52, my good friend and fellow content creator, Shri. All right. I always love to say thank you first off, because in this creator economy, this creative space, we're all so busy. And I appreciate that people have to really take the time out of busy schedules to do something like this. So A, thank you. And B, I always like to give people an opportunity to introduce themselves because Similarly, in the space about being busy, we also have so many things said about us in terms of articles or posts, or we try and create a bio and it needs to be like a certain number of characters. So I always love to ask guests, who are you and what would you say it is that you do? My name is Shri and this whole journey started because of my daughter and wanting to leave a legacy for her. When her father passed away, he didn't leave anything, not even a a video talking to her and his family disowned her. So I looked at that example and said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to leave something that when uh, our daughter looks back, she has something to show her children. And that is when I started a business and realized that, hey, you need to get testimonial videos, which led to hearing the journeys of the entrepreneurs. And that's how I started my first show on Instagram three years ago. Fast forward one year later, I started a second business helping entrepreneurs create videos that help them make money. And that is the journey of using not just these short form videos you see on TikTok and Instagram Reels, Twitter now, Facebook, it's also live streaming. I know some of you are listening. You probably have somebody that you enjoy watching on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok, and there's something about them that you that attracts you. Well, there was a lot of work before that show was put together, and I learned that the hard way in my own journey, and so now I'm helping others be able to do that. Plus, the live streaming shows help me start an agency where we do all of the 
back end work, meaning like getting the guests, putting the questions together, getting the graphics ready, turning the audio from the live show. Even when you go live, your technical difficulties, we take care of all of that. So this all just started because I wanted to leave a legacy to my daughter. I love the idea of live. I've done live shows a few times. I've never done them near to the consistency that you have. You're really an inspiration and like a role model when it comes to live specifically. And I think I've shared with you before that I will get back into doing lives for now. I'm kind of like in my 80-20 space of what's working for my show and my audience, but I really love live and would love to add that back. When it comes to legacy, you know, that's something that I didn't necessarily know you were going to mention And referencing your daughter in connection with lives or creating content in general, one of the tips that I give people who are struggling with camera shyness and stuff is that what worked for me was specifically creating as if I'm talking to my daughter in that like, heaven forbid, something terrible happens and I'm gone, she can see that video. And so every podcast I produce, every piece of content, I pretty much put it out with the idea that I'm speaking to the camera, but I'm really speaking to my daughters. And so I definitely, definitely vibe with that as an understatement. But I know that it's a bit deeper for you in in terms of creating that legacy and some of the things that you've you've gone through. Was that something that you had envisioned as part of your why becoming a creative? Has it always been a big part of your purpose or was it something that you had to develop once you started going into entrepreneurship and business? Ooh, this is a great question. When looking back at the journey, it really was all about being selfless and how can I give to others? I loved putting entrepreneurs in a spotlight. I've always been somebody who's volunteered and I've always gravitated toward teens. So they are teens from Children's Protective Services to Juvenile Detention Center. And my daughter being so influential in my life. So when I started these shows, it was just, how can I selflessly give back to entrepreneurs? How can I give them a spotlight to share their story and give others an opportunity to see this is this is out there. This is real. Like I'm not alone in this journey. Justin, you were a guest on my show. I actually looked it up. I think you were episode 118. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Going back when I first started, I had no idea what I was doing. I really had no idea. My first 50 lives sucked, but I always showed up for the guest. It was through the journey that I realized I am a creator. I am somebody who is paving the way for others in this journey, in this space of live streaming. Because when I started, we were in the middle of a pandemic. So nobody was there talking about how can you turn this live streaming show into what can be a course, what can be a gateway of converting people to clients. When you have a launch of a product, like I'm in the, I'm about to launch a product, you use live streaming as part of the strategy, but all of this was still really new. It was a year later that people started talking about it, but in the beginning it was really limited and you didn't know who to go to. So to answer your question, it first started just wanting to help others. And then it turned into teaching me how to be an entrepreneur. How can I use this medium? And lastly, create my voice and help others be able to have a voice because some of them were so shy to get on camera and they didn't think they had value or a voice. And by coming on the show or going through a coaching program with me, they saw their value and they realized that their voice can impact others. 
the idea of being able to do all of that to leave legacy and you mentioned your daughter and I know it was pretty quick, but you mentioned the fact that there weren't other people in her life, like her father leaving legacy for her, that it was something that you felt like you needed to do. It would be a rhetorical question to ask if that was a difficult thing for her and for you. Of course, it's not easy. I suppose a better question is, what is that legacy that you are trying to leave? And do you think that it's working a bit? The legacy that I am trying to leave is not the one that is actually being left, which is you can create something from nothing. You don't have to have the whole roadmap. You just need to have an understanding what is it that you want to do. And my daughter has constantly looked at that journey. I've always been, even before I even started a whole business, I was always pushing myself to be better than where I was the year before. And my marker was not the New Year's, it's my birthday. Where was I the year before? Where am I today? And pushing that limit. And so starting the business was just, hey, I have really pushed myself out. And then came the journey of healing and working on my inner child and working on the traumas that I have experienced because I didn't realize how impactful they were to me and how it was affecting even my relationship with my daughter. So when I looked at the legacy, all I was thinking about was, okay, at least she has videos that she can watch and she's learning from other entrepreneurs, which then she can learn. I mean, she can learn from and use in her everyday life. But instead, she's actually seeing me go through the trenches and seeing that life is not always full of rainbows and unicorns, that it is tough times, but you can get through it. I lost my job nine days before Christmas. So I have been an entrepreneur in this whole time and I used my savings. And now this year, it's really about the hustle. But at the same time, if I really wanted to go back to a job, I could. But right now, what I'm making, even though it's not like millions of dollars like I would like, it's still enough to sustain because I'm learning to live with less and I'm teaching that to my daughter because she's, she's seen that. So sometimes we think the legacy is one way, but really the legacy is something different. I can definitely appreciate that. And the idea of using a birthday as a marker, interestingly enough for me, has been something that's very difficult because in the last couple of years... Probably since you and I did that episode, although I can't remember timelines, to be honest, a lot of it's a blur, but I've lost both of my younger brothers and my birthday has brought like a survivor's guilt moment to it. However, I never once thought about my birthday before and in the last three, four years, I have thought about it a little bit. And I think the reason why in like pragmatic terms, I think about it is because you always ask like, oh, okay, you're the older brother. How much older are you than your brother? And when you're born two years apart, that's easy to remember. And then a super weird thing happens when someone passes away is it's like, I don't know, like how much older am I than my brothers? It's not two years, you know, it's the, the gap is increasing and it kind of feels a little bit weird. But then like, so I notice it on my birthday at that same time, similar to what you're sharing. I've also noticed that it's taken on a lot more meaning than New Year's resolutions for sure. And I feel that same kind of energy about like reloading each year because I'm grateful that I get another year to set whatever goals, create, just be appreciative and keep moving forward, building momentum in these sorts of areas. Uh, you mentioned that it's not all rainbows and unicorns, sunshine, rainbows and unicorns or all those kinds of sayings. And so that's why I bring that up. Of course, I don't want 
you to feel uncomfortable sharing things that may be a little bit too close, but you shared about the idea of dealing with your own trauma and setting that example for her and healing, I think was another word that you used. What can you share that you've learned about being able to heal, I suppose? So the healing really was when my brother had passed away. He was murdered when he was 14 and I was 11. I found him. So then it was carrying this for a long time and realizing the impact of my daughter's life when she came in. She came, um, I was 22 when I had her. So there were reckless moments and I didn't realize. I mean, I thought I was doing things that were leading me to a path of success, but I believe in God. And so I will share that he blessed me with her, which shifted. But again, I wasn't dealing with my emotions. It was not until I became a entrepreneur that that is when I had to realize the pain that I'm holding on to. This moment when I got raped, the moment of my brother molesting me, the moments of being in abusive verbally and a physically abusive relationships were because I didn't take the time to heal from my brother and even past stories that I'm holding on to from family, mother and father. Not that they're, I'm blaming anybody. This is just what we are going through. And then when I started to work on myself, my daughter started to see it, which then made me want to even do it more because our relationship changed. And then I was able to identify with her like, hey, you know, even though she didn't have the same experiences as I did, but she did lose her father and she did have to, and she never really had a relationship with him. So I wanted to change this family story, which is my father lost his father. I lost my brother. Then my daughter lost her father. So I was just like, maybe we could change this and go through healing and do some things differently. And I'm more open to getting her the right help, getting her get to work with the mindset coach, just like I'm working on myself consistently. I want her to do the same thing because we don't have the same experiences, but we are facing something. We're carrying pain. We're carrying, and it's carrying into what we do. So trauma happens to us. But it's up to us to decide if we're going to allow it to carry for the rest of our life, to hold us in the place that we are. This is one of the common things that come up when I'm coaching clients. Well, I don't like the way I look, or I don't think I have value to share, or what if somebody says something? And when you go back and ask and dig and dig, dig deeper, you find out there's something that happened to them. Somebody said something really mean or something of trauma happened and it's surfacing. And sometimes they don't realize that that's the reason. And I remember I was in a, it was a challenge with Myron Golden, who's this coach that many know, and he helps you create offers and make lots of money. But one of the things was that day I was on, and I believe it was the day that my, it was my brother's birthday. And I was asking him a question. I just said, how do you handle the days that you are not motivated? And then he said, the one thing he said was, you know, you have to, you have to learn how to work through it. And he's like, why do you ask? And I said, well, today's my brother's birthday. And I started bawling. And he's like, that pain that you're holding onto is the reason why it surfaces more than you want. And that's when I identified, this is a pattern that I have. When I feel a pain, I find excuses. So for anybody who's listening, if you've faced something in your life, 
and you haven't faced it, like really like walked down that memory and you have to do it when you're ready. That's when you'll realize how you can get past it, how you can work through it. And then you will notice differences in how you react to it. What if it's a test that you have, or maybe it's a project or deciding to go out and take a chance on yourself on a decision that may be against the grain of what your family wants you to do because you believe in yourself. You're not going to be like, okay, I'll, I'll just listen to what everybody else is saying. No, this idea is really good. This is going to get, it's going to make me money. It's going to take time. That's what I would share, that that trauma has been a best friend of mine, but at the same time, it's my worst enemy. Which is super powerful. I just interviewed uh, Joe Dreams recently, who talks a lot about the idea of pursuing your big dreams, manifestation, and showing how to put yourself out there by overcoming shyness. I know a topic that you're really interested in as well, and that you've helped a lot of people with. And I bring that up because I'm pretty sure in that episode, I said that like this was definitely one of the most powerful moments we've ever had. There's going to be a lot of ties for first place because our guests are just always incredible. But that last few minutes of you sharing that, I think was extremely powerful, almost to the point where I want to take like a, just a second to, to, to just kind of reflect and pause because as a podcast host, I know that you know, you never know where a question is necessarily going to head. You're not in people's minds. And it's almost impossible at times to fully tune in and listen and not be thinking of like the next question or kind of like, okay, how do we build this out? And that's one of the things that I'm really trying to work on more on the artist side of being a podcast host is how do I just listen? And so I was very much just listening. When you listen that intently, it can be like distracting in a very positive way. Uh, you really brought me into that story. And, and had you not, then I would have asked a follow-up question like, can you give us an example? And so you just did an incredible job of giving an example for something that really connects closely for me. And that's that one of the schools that I work in is a school for uh, pregnant or parenting teenagers. It's called Uville Center. And I've often had conversations with kids who are trying to work through very similar things. And it's incredible how you can see some people go through something like uh, as severe as being raped or uh, having a child from sexual assault or, you know, list terrible circumstance and situation they've all applied at some point with youth that I've worked at with and they all respond differently to the point where some can talk openly about it some almost don't even remember and it's their counselors that have let me know kind of what they're struggling with and they almost can't even like share things at all or certain books or movies might be really triggering for them and so I guess one of the things that I love bringing up for people is how Gabor Mate shares that our trauma is not the act that happens to us, but it's how our body, our mind, our gut, and our overall being connected to that trauma. And it's going to be unique for every one of us. And I'm saying that kind of just in reflection of that really helpful story that you shared and experiences that you were opening up about. If we were keeping like that school for teen moms in mind. Is there anything else that you would share when going through those difficult times and really not believing that you can come out the other side uh, before we get into, you know, uh, some of the more business and like practical things around being a creator? I would say that 
when you don't deal with your trauma, it actually gets stored in places of your body. And that's like a deeper sense and understanding of how trauma works and energy and healing. And so when you're carrying this for so long, it affects you. When you are pregnant, it affects your child. When you wonder why your child is acting a certain way, the question that always comes up when I was going through my healing was, what was your mother feeling when she was pregnant with you? It makes me go back to what I was going through when I was pregnant with my daughter and all that she was feeling. And so I'm always like, I wish I could change it. I wish I could go back, but we can't. What we can do is take the time to understand what are we feeling? What is, where are we at? And know that in one year, it's not going to look like this. I have had major breakups. I have been put in places where I didn't know if the next day I was going to be living. I was in situations where everywhere I turned, my ex was there. I mean, I always thought this is just not going to get better, but I always had voices telling me, which are my friends, which is also family members. It will get better. It will get better. And so that also goes back. Who is your circle of influence? Who are the people you're surrounding yourself with? Are they encouraging you or are they discouraging you? What are you listening to? What kind of music are you listening to? What are the books that you're reading? What are the podcasts that you're listening to? What are the videos? Because you are on TikTok, you're on Instagram, you're on YouTube Shorts, you're on Twitter. What are you looking at? Are you looking at all the stuff that your friends are talking about? Or are you looking at which some may call boring because I know at that age it's a little bit boring, but a Tony Robbins, a Mel Robbins, Gary Vee, or anybody that's just saying, hey, this is just temporary. Actually, this is your ticket that's going to help you later in life because when you go through it, you're going to be able to help somebody else and you're going to make a huge impact. That's super powerful. The idea of it being boring is the boulder that I'm pushing up the hill for now, for sure, because all of these messages are so helpful. And I do know because I've had a lot of youth check out the show and I work with them to improve it and that kind of thing, like an author who's creating a book for teens would do. And it's fun having conversations, even if they're constructive and <laughs> saying things like, you know, that it's that it's a weak or, you know, soft and, you know, whatever else. It's it's worth it because over time I do feel I've seen it firsthand that even kind of like you said, kind of quote unquote boring uh, things can still connect when people are in that. Uh, I think you said earlier, like you need to be ready when people are ready for that type of content. It can really help. So I really appreciate you sharing those practical tips about how to kind of go through tough times, because I do feel like, of course, everyone's journey, everyone's story is their own. You brought up um, Child Protective Services, our oldest is uh, was a foster kid first and then adopted through uh, what they call CAS here. And so there's a lot of story there. I can't remember what I did or didn't share when I was on your show. So maybe we'll have to run it back sometime. Like maybe I told you that whole story already. It's a long one, but point being similarly, it's like she's going to have to look back on her story and hopefully be able to choose a path that's more positive and kind of breaks the cycle of what her whole family tree, biologically speaking, was struggling with and all those kinds of things. So I really appreciate that. That's my daughter growing up, your daughter growing up, and kind of both of us leaving legacy. I'd love to touch on 
what it was like for you growing up. A big part of this show is that everybody learns differently and everybody had a very different school experience, some positive, some negative. But growing up, what was learning and education like for you? And how did that shift to kind of where you are now as a learner? When I was growing up, uh, so prior to my brother, when he was alive, I always felt I was the dumb one because my brother was so smart and it just took me longer to learn things. And now, and then after he passed away, then it was the journey of just being the only child. And so I would grasp things and some things came faster to me than others. So that part never really changed. It was really that I would know what I'm doing, but then I would also, and I'm going to admit to it, that I would half-ass things. And so it carried a lot and it's a pattern of mine. Now I'm getting better with it. But as far as learning now, it's, it, it's one of those instances where because I'm an entrepreneur, if I don't know what I'm doing, then I'm going to get slapped with reality. So then I have to look at, okay, so the first quarter was one way. And now this quarter, I'm going to spend time really understanding one thing. And what is that one thing? Or maybe two things, but I'm just going to focus and I'm going to get so focused that by the end of this quarter, I can move to the next and the next. I don't want to have that feeling of being left behind. So for any of you who feel like, oh, I'm the dumbest person, you're actually not the dumbest person. You actually just need to understand that maybe it might take you longer, but also understand that you don't always have to know everything. It's okay. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be in a room and be the smartest one on one topic. And then there's somebody else who's much smarter in another topic. And then together you come together and you have this amazing union and this amazing project or this amazing business idea because kids can start business. I, I know a few millionaires who are teenagers, but the same token, it's taught and it felt like even my daughter would say sometimes so many people want to know everything. I'm like, no, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know one thing and be really good at it and then know how to network so you can connect with the people who know what they do. So when the opportunity comes, you know how to say, yeah, you know, I have a team. I have people who can help you with this, but you you are not doing all the work. You have your team and it's learning to manage your team. So that's like a bigger perspective, but to, to give you, just to go back to, don't ever say that you're stupid or dumb. Just go back and tell yourself, it just takes a little bit longer for you. And if you still have questions, there is YouTube. There's so much content out there that breaks it down that you can learn it. So you said that you can start a business and that you know some teens that are millionaires. That's such a, a really interesting topic. I see some teachers like hiring guest speakers to teach their whole class how you can start a business or how to start a side hustle 101. And then also all the way on that far end of the spectrum, like you need to go get a safe job in the government or in a cubicle that has benefits and like a long-term contract and possibly retirement plans. Where do you lie on, let's say, a family member were coming to you, they're a teenager themselves, and they wanted to get some support about like, hey, you know, I see you starting a business. Like, can you teach me how to start a business? Where do you lie in terms of telling them if it's a good idea or not? And I suppose like the classic thing that comes up next is that debate around do we need college or university anymore and those kinds of questions. So if I had a family member come to me, I actually would be open to it. 
And so I would help them understand, well, first, let's start with your mindset. Your mind is going to play a huge role in this process. So if you can't put your mind in check, you might need to put some work into that. That's like one of that's something that doesn't get talked about because you can talk yourself out of putting a post about a launch, putting yourself out of going live, putting yourself not doing a video. So that would be the first thing. Then the second thing would be, let's look at how would this work? Why would someone want to purchase this? Why would they want to give you their hard-earned money? You have to understand the why. And then it's really diving deep into what it is that you want to provide to people, how would you go about, where would you put yourself to market, how to go about networking. So there's a long line. Then I would also say, have you ever worked for somebody who's done the same thing or similar? Because if we look at some of the biggest entrepreneurs that are out there, at one point they did work for somebody and said, this is not what I want to do. So they did see something. So they learned how processes and systems are put together. No matter if you work for somebody or you don't, a business is based on systems and processes and you have to learn how to be a leader. So you see that when you work for somebody or when you're starting, even if you listen to Gary Vee, he will say, if you wanna learn how to become a pastor of a church, you need to volunteer at that church. And you figure out, you might even have to sleep on their couch, but you go from the bottom and you go to the top and you understand how everything works before you start that. Now, you might have this idea as you are doing it that is not being done. That's why when you start your business, you already found your pain points. We never think about that because we're always like, I want to start this business. I want to start this business. But we never think about when we work for somebody, you actually get to see and have access to so much. And also it is an opportunity for you to maybe take hold and run, create a company-wide experience that the company, it's one or two things. They allow you to take the rights of it and run with it, or they take it over. But then you ask in return for cred, because guess what? Now you can take that to market and say, this is what I was able to do. We never think about those things. It's always about, let me start the side hustle. Let me get this. But I, I actually am the type of person who's like, work for somebody, see what's going on. What are they not doing? What are they doing? How can you do it better? Is this something you want to be doing? And then if you do, then create it, get people on board and see if it really works. And then as far as college, I say that College is not for everybody, but college is for somebody. And if you have a certain profession, you have to go to college. Like if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, even an accountant. And then if you don't want to do that route, there are certifications. Take the time to learn. Get dirty. Get Do volunteer work. Get internships. Like understand if this is what you want. You're still really young. You still have the rest of your life. And so it's hard to see like 10 years from now. Five years from now, whenever I volunteer with the teens at CPS or JDC, Children's Protective Services or Juvenile Detention Center, I always ask them the question, where do you see yourself in five years? Because right now you may be 11 to 17, but in five years, you're not that same age. Now think of your, think about 10 years. Now I've been volunteering there for so long that I actually see some of these kids on, on the street and it breaks my heart to see that they're living homeless or they're prostitutes or they're crackheads because they 
live the same life over and over again because they couldn't vision what one year would look like, five years would look like, 10 years would look like, because you are going to be an adult for the rest of your life. You're just living, you are a child living an adult life. Like So at 18, you start to have to make decisions. And it's weird why we put that pressure, but at the same time, you have to also think in five years, life is gonna be different. Like think about you, Justin, like in, in even just the the time frame we met, how much has happened and grown for us. When we met, I was working a job and now I don't. And then there's, you had siblings, at least I think you had one or two and now you don't. So there's like so much can happen, but we never think like that, especially in our teens and early twenties. And I see people stressing about the idea of maybe they don't like the grocery store they're working in right now and they're worried about where they'll be in like six months from now. And I'm like, yo, just chill. It's okay. You're 16. It's not the end of the world. But in the moment, for sure, I, of course, don't just say it like that always, depending on the trust I have with youth, because in that moment, that's their pain, their suffering. They can't really see anything else. But And I can really remember what it was like when I hated jobs and the extreme anxiety that it would give me, like I'd be waking up in the middle of the night because I didn't want to go to work the next day and stuff like that. So I try and be sensitive and compassionate, but at the same time, with some helicopter view and a whole lot of hindsight, I know that it's really not a big deal, but it can be hard for them to wrap their minds around the real possibilities for their future. I was uh, writing down, as I was talking, a little diagram with a teen today who she is actually helping young readers learn to read as a volunteer opportunity she's doing. And it got us talking about her own skill development. And I was sharing that it's always a chicken and an egg problem between confidence and competence. Like you can get good at something if you have enough confidence to try it. And then as you increase confidence by trying it, then you can get better at it. And it's like this positive cycle. And it works in reverse, like a negative cycle. If you don't try something because you don't feel confident, then you're not going to increase competence and it can work really negatively too. And it's this weird thing that I literally developed on the spot today thinking about like we can turn that in a positive way or we can turn it back in a negative way. And to bring it back to what you were saying about JDC in your case, that's another connection that you and I have because I spend two or three days a week at the JDC here. In that case, most of those youth are serving probably somewhere between five and seven years. So the five-year question might be a little tight, but in seven years from now, when you get out, what are you going to do is obviously the big question that we're trying to serve them all with in terms of helping them in their future, like any high school teacher would. But in our case, it's like a lot more, not serious, but specific in terms of clearly life wasn't working for you from zero to 14 in whatever way it ended up going down. How can we from like 21 or 22 for the rest of your life pave a path for you? And I have to say that sadly, like your point about seeing them on the street afterwards, I don't know, somewhere around at least nine and 10, like 90% of them go right back into living a life of crime or drug abuse. And it's so difficult even after like trying to help them every day for five, six years. Yeah. If we were to like bottle some things that we feel like we could give them that, that might help or give some hope at least, what are some things that you've had success with being able to show them maybe? So one of the things is understanding that in the confined unit, the four walls that you're in, if you're a JDC, CPS, and even at your age living at home, you can learn these things, but it's when you get out into the real world. So for those who are in JDC CPS, 
after they get home, then comes guilt, then comes ridicule, then comes judgment. And so that is the the moment where you have to realize that is the reality of what your family and friends know of you for the last five years. They don't know that you have actually done the work. So when you actually live it, and it's it's really hard, especially if you're going back to where these are the individuals, your friends who you rolled with are there, it's hard to say no, because the first thing they're going to say, well, you, you what, you forgot about me? Well, we're not good. You're too good. That happens. I mean, I know people who they're not superstars, but they came from the ghetto. They came from the hood. And they made something of their life and they have six figure earning jobs and they're taking care of their family and they get the same comments. What you forgot where you came from? You forgot that you came from the hood. No, I didn't forget. I just don't want to go back there. And that's just not where I'm at. So that's like one of those things. And I always talk about mindset because as you were talking, I remember my 16 year old when she got her first job, we get we urge our children to get jobs. Even as children, we want to get jobs, but we don't understand the stresses that come from having a job, the expectations, the boundaries, all of that. I don't feel like even as a parent, I don't feel like I really prepared my daughter enough for that. So when she entered the workforce, she wouldn't be complaining all the time. She would say, you don't understand. You don't understand. And we're like, we do understand. It was a lot worse for us. But for that, those who are listening, you know, first thing is understand that you were known for one thing, but then when you actually, it takes time. Cause even myself, my mom still brings up stuff that I did when I was 16 and I'm way older than that. And I'm not even the same person I was three years ago. So that it's just that when people outside of your family see you, they see the new you, but it's the people who you rolled with before, they see the old you. And I have that still, like there are people in my Facebook community or Facebook, and these are people I've known for decades, yet they never like any of my posts, never acknowledge my existence. And then they see me in public and say, oh my God, I'm such a big fan of you. Really? Because you never say anything to me. You don't show any support. So don't, don't worry about everybody who's around you worry about what is it that you want in your life do you if you want to continue and live in jail and deal with the system and be told what time to wake up what time to get up keep doing what you're doing but if you want to see what you can do what the gifts you have then try something new and understand ridicule ridicule is going to come being alone is going to come but you're going to have so much more sweeter nights sweeter successes to celebrate. I mean, Justin, when you and I met, it was 118. I'm now up to 200 plus shows for one live show. I have two other shows and combine it all, there's 300 episodes and now have an agency. Like I've helped other people. So it has not been easy. I have lost friends, even friends I've had for years, but I've gained so much more. So I don't look at what I lost. I look at what I've gained. Yeah, it's crazy. We've both done over 100 episodes since that time, basically in, in a couple of years and definitely goes quick. It's pretty incredible. The connections that we can make. Yeah. Speaking of which, I did an interview just yesterday and we kind of joked, I can't remember, if, I think in the episode that one of the titles needs to be something like fear, judgment, guilt. And in that case, we had regret as well, I think. Um, and I can't, you just said three of those four things and 
it's just such a powerful thing that I really didn't understand until just a few years back about how powerful those are for the negative aspect of our minds. And I suppose like any distribution of energy, it's neither created nor destroyed. So I I suppose like anger or sadness, we could channel it into our poetry or channel it into our content, our speaking, our podcasting, whatever it is. But definitely at first, it's a very negative thing. And I, I do feel like that's why so many people end up in a vicious cycle of abusive relationships, food, any addiction, you know. And so back-to-back episodes where that's a really powerful three things that uh, the guest brought up, not prompted or planned or anything like that. Well, then that must be a program you need to come up with for your your teens or something, because I really feel deep down, we don't prepare our teens, our children for what they're to face in the world. Even though social media is there, that's even changing certain things. But I'm just saying work, the work It's not going to change like the politics, the favoritism. That's not going to change the toxic environments. That's not going to change unless we change. So why don't we prepare ourselves? How do you handle it? How do you let go and know that it's not about you? It's them. Unless you are the person bringing it in, then why are you bringing it in? Why are you acting this way? Yeah. And so along those lines, I mean, if we kind of put them all into a little box of overcoming fear, how did you or how do you suggest others do overcome some of those things? Like if we were to create a program and brainstorm right now, what are some ways that you can overcome those things to, like you said, better prepare our kids to go into the workplace? So fear is really based on a story that you're holding on to. Somebody at some point said something to you or taught you This is what we do. For example, for me, I was taught that I had to go to college and get a job and work at a job for many years. And I have not done that. And even when I decided to not get a job after I got laid off, it was weird for my mom. For a whole year, she was really upset. But I held strong because I knew I was doing something. I had results every month. It was not easy, especially since I have a daughter, but she was in a place where I, she didn't really need my help. My parents didn't really need my help. So when I look at this, fear is always there. It's always going to be there. It's just your choice to either have fear be the driver or say, you know what? Thank you for being here. I have you next to me. You help me see things that I'm not aware of, but at the same time, you're not going to take over. And that is something that took me a long time. Because even now, sometimes I, I have it surface and I have to say, hey, thanks for visiting. I really appreciate you being here. And this is a whole conversation I'm having with fear in my head. And we're laughing, having drinks with water or juice <laughs> or lunch because I refuse to let fear take over. And that's just how I have learned to develop this relationship. And it takes time to get there, but you always have to ask yourself why. Why is it there? Write it down. Turn those statements around. Well, I'm afraid nobody's going to buy my program. Turn around and say, I know somebody's going to buy my program. Nobody's going to pay attention. I know one person's going to pay attention. When you flip it, then it looks differently. Yeah, hold the mirror up to that situation. The idea that we're different people and that we change into and evolve into that, you shared, I think you said we're different than we are three years ago. 
in my case, I've started to realize that like within three days, <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm so much different than I was last week. And I feel like maybe it's just something that exponentially changes or the rate of change depends on what's going on with our decision making or like what we're currently into. Uh, maybe it's just how my brain works. But I do think that that's refreshing because some people look at that huge mountain instead of the first step and think like, oh, this is going to take, you know, six months, six years, 26 years and not realizing that we can change so much relatively quickly. When you talked about flipping those statements around, you said, uh, why? And so it made me think of the concept of, you know, the book, Start With Why, and kind of those classic questions of like, why you do what you do. You shared at the top the idea of building legacy for your daughter, and I'm sure for anyone you're creating for in your audience like myself. But if you were to build that out into a sentence, do you have your own driving mission statement type thing when it comes to your why? I actually don't. And I know that I've been asked this several times, but my, but I always go back to this. My why is to make an impact to at least one person. And besides my daughter, there's somebody else that I know I can make an impact on. And what do you think that impact would be? That impact would be that they are capable and able to do things that they never thought they could. So if it's getting on camera, they can do it. If it's going live and having a live streaming show, it's possible. Just uh, two weeks ago, I was there for somebody. She didn't deal well with death, but I was able to get her to stay until it was even to have lunch. And then I heard from her husband who was like, she's the reason why I stayed. And all I did was just talk to her. I didn't talk about her fears or anything. I did ask in between, like what was, you know, she wanted to leave. And I asked, why would you want to leave? I mean, I just talked to her and it turned out to be the reason why she stayed the whole time. The idea of creating a safe space that allows people to uh, find those next steps for themselves, I think is really special. So I'm sure you're helping way more than one people. And when it comes to helping people, I know that you do that through coaching, consulting, content creation. Feel free to mention anything about those you know, aspects of the business that you create. But I want to make sure, at least on this edition of us creating, that we talk about your show because that's what connected us. It's such a big pillar, I feel like, of what your media properties are anyways. So you did mention uh, a question that I naturally would have asked that you're up over 200 episodes now. Why did you get into creating that show? And in a macro big picture, like what have you learned from getting up over the 200 episode mark, which is a really special thing that I'm sure you've given yourself some pats on the back, but like you should give yourself a lot more pats on the back because like you're in the, you know, below one percentile for sure in terms of podcast creators now. See, and that's the thing I don't see. Like I don't, like when I look at um, other creators who are in the same position, they're so much bigger. And I'm over here like, I don't think I'm doing that much. But for one show, which I started is called Journey of an Entrepreneur. And it was because I wanted to build visibility to my business during the time of the pandemic. I only had 97 followers on Instagram. And I was like, how do I get people to know what I do? And I saw Gary Vee, Lewis Howes, Jay Shetty, and even Jessica Alba going live. And I was like, okay, I know I can do this. And then I saw my friend going live with a guest. And I was like, I know this girl because I prayed with her. And so let me call her. 
And she gave me a few tips and I started going live. I actually asked nine people. The 10th one said yes. So I started going live every week with a guest who was an entrepreneur. And through that, I learned what I was missing as an entrepreneur and realized the importance of investing in myself and the importance of why when you look for the right coaches, you are able to grow even faster than just learning by yourself. And then because of live streaming, I was able to start a second show, which is called uh, Sip and Chat, which is only on LinkedIn. It's usually at the in the evenings on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We bring on guests. We talk to them. We have a beverage of choice. And this is on LinkedIn. Then I have a, sec a third show, which is on Wednesdays, and that's called The Backstage Experience. And that was because when I met the my co-host, I when I brought him on my show on Instagram, he was like, okay, wait a minute. Let's do a pre-show pre to the real show that's on LinkedIn. And so all three of us, it's three of us that go live every Wednesday. And we, I had a fourth show, but we're on hiatus. It's called the Friday Roundup. So when you were talking about fear, these are topics that we talk about. So all these shows came because of one show. And in total, it really is 300 because you add everything up. One show has close to 60 to 70. Another one is at about 48, 50. And then the other one was about, we were there doing it for a while, every Friday. So we have quite a, I've got quite a bit behind me. And yes, it does put me in a different percentile, but it also shows me things that I need to work on and get moving on because I have live streaming shows, but I don't have a podcast yet. I've helped other people create and edit and upload their podcasts. So that's just uh, something for anybody who's out there listening. You don't have to have it all. You just have to have a drive. You have to have the willingness to keep going and you never know what can happen when you put yourself out there. I became a published author in my fourth episode of Going Live. So I'm an international best-selling author. And then I also have been able to learn how to do an intro, a proper intro. I learned how to do launches, sell. Just so much came from it that I didn't realize could come from it. And from it as well, I have created a Facebook community. It's free where I help entrepreneurs get confident on camera. Even if you're not an entrepreneur or a budding entrepreneur, or you just want to get better at public speaking, being able to present yourself, think about what's your future, what do you want? That's what that group is for. And then I also have an agency where my team and I, we take care of the social media management, the live streaming, the podcasting because I have been doing this for so long and I do this almost every day that this is what I know how to do really, really well. <laughs> which, which is a lot. And it makes me think of a few follow-up questions that I think could be really helpful to people who are maybe thinking about starting their own show, but are hesitant and sort of on that fence, so to speak. I, I love one of the things I do and I've gotten a lot of compliments on it from previous guests is create that blog post from episodes. And I know like Joe Rogan, who has arguably the biggest podcast in the world, doesn't even have a website. So I appreciate that it's not something you need as part of creating a podcast, but it's become part of our brand at JKL that we create a, a blog post that takes like a little bit of time and energy that goes into it. And one of those sections is always like a kind of practical bullet point listicle of ideas and things around a topic. And so if someone were going to create their own show, then it'd be really good to kind of like hit on a few of those things. You already mentioned a couple of them. 
But before we talk about a couple others, I just wanted to ask, why do you feel like you have multiple shows as opposed to creating the one show and just creating more episodes? I have three different shows. Well, it was four. So one show is my flagship show, Journey of an Entrepreneur. It literally is asking the question about this entrepreneur, giving them that spotlight. And if I know they have a launch coming up, I'm actually pretty good about getting them like, hey, let me bring you on and let me give you that spotlight. And then Sip and Chat came because my co-host, we just got along really well and we just the vibe is there when we go live. And it's just a late night chat with two people and a, another guest and it's adults. We just are laying back because we don't want to watch TV, but we, we don't mind some good entertainment on LinkedIn. And then backstage experience was just an opportunity. Just, hey, let's get up on Wednesday and just share our thoughts about video, live streaming, life. And then when it came to the Friday roundup, that was more of just us showing a different side of, because on these other shows, we do talk about personal and mental health, but it's not in depth. While Friday roundup is a whole different vibe where we get deep into it. We talk about fear and what is fear and how do you overcome fear? And even just when you have somebody who's judging you. And how do you deal with a relationship like that? Because sometimes it might be your mother, your brother, your sister. How do you deal with that? So that's why I have these different shows. It's to show I'm still the same person, but you see me in different lights. Now, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be like that. But for what I do and who I am, I have different types of individuals who come to me. So I need to be able to help them. Somebody will come to me about TikTok. Somebody will come to me about Instagram. Somebody will come to me about Facebook. Somebody will always come for LinkedIn because I'm, I'm bigger on LinkedIn. But you, if you decide that you want to get into live streaming, you want to do podcasting, you want to be a strategist, you have to do it yourself. And when you do it yourself, you have to understand why. Always think about the why. What's in it for the other person who's listening to that episode? What are they going to get from it? Then there's the what are topics that you could talk about. So what are you getting asked about? If you're not sure, then start asking people questions. What would you like to hear more about? What if I were to do this and that and really take time to market research? And once you have everything, you will know what you can do. This is for the person who's thinking about, well, I don't know what to start with. And the person that does, you can do polls, you can create content and based on the videos and the static posts, these are carousels or pictures, that will tell you what you should expand on. So if you did a 30 second video on three tips on how to edit a video and you're getting, and it's blowing up, that means that you should do a longer form content, which is a live video or a video you upload to YouTube going deeper into it. What did you do? How did you get there? And don't think about, well, there's so many people out who are talking about that. What's difference is your experience. You learn to do something. There may be somebody else who feels the same way that you did and will just, and it becomes like a community starts growing from it. So I will share that because everybody has talked about mental health, but nobody has talked about your experience with mental health because you've lived, you're the only person that lived with it. I know that you're a fan of going live. <laughs> um, and so am I, even though this particular show at this given snapshot in time is not a live show. 
I, I suppose if people are going to start a podcast, they're like, hey, um, I'm I'm all in. I do believe in the medium. I want to create a show. I need some of your help. Should I do it live? What's your first reaction? Always. <laughs> <laughs> and then why? <laughs> I go back to what is the customer journey? And in the last three years, we have wanted to purchase working with coaches or products. But then in the process over the last three years, people have got burned. So now they're more hesitant to make the investment. And it doesn't matter if you are 13 years old or 75 years old, you've got to understand that the journey of the customer has evolved. So you need to give them more touch points. So if they found you because of your post, which is why I always go back to a video post, a static post, now they're in your ecosystem. They're in your, they're checking you out. They're checking out all your content. You've done it too. You know, you like binge watch some of the videos. You're like, oh, this person's really good. Then the next thing is now you see that they're going to go live. You know what? I want to check out this person. I want to ask them questions. I want to see what they're about. And I want to see if I can work with them. And you may not work with them right away. It may take you some time. And then if you know they have a podcast, you'll check out their podcast. But if they go live all the time, you always are going to check out all their live shows, ask them questions. And then you'll say, you know what? I'm ready to work with them. So think about that for yourself and think about that as the future customer that you want to get. And this is why I always say live streaming is also out of 93% of video marketing, 26% have said that live streaming gets you better leads and better conversions. So this is why you want to add that as a business owner, or if even if you're just a advisor, counselor, think about how can you get to even a larger audience? They may not come to work and pay with you, but it could also open doors to public speaking engagements that are paid so that you can speak to their teens. It's just thoughts because the decision makers aren't always going to be the teens. It's always going to be the adults who are paying attention. And so even if you are you're targeting teens, you always have to remember there's always a decision maker above and that is an adult. And where are they? They're located on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and they're watching. And they're lurking. We call them lurkers. You always have more <laughs> lurkers than followers. Let me tell you. Yeah, probably like 100% more. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said live streaming, because you want to draw them to all your other content, but you first have to get them through posting. I love it. You and Hey Stephanie Lou that I interviewed a while back in the early days of the show would get along so well. And I get along well with you, both of you as well, because I completely agree. I feel like for me, I have a few different live shows that will exist. Yeah. And one of them is basically once I can be a little more full-time as a content creator, I'd love to go live at the same time, kind of mid to late morning where like on average school would be in session and teachers could be using that or homeschool could be using that live teaching and just go live for like an hour every day. You know, like I said, at a reasonable time, I don't know if it'd be 11 a.m. I have to, to think about it a tiny bit, but just creating a live show in that moment that's kind of like a teacher being on screen teaching, similar to you mentioned Gary V three times, like T with V kind of concept for a little bit of segment, but building it into a show, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever, coming up with a thing that's during the school day. So teachers and parents could have people tune in. 
that's just bringing value, probably in the world of like content creation and entrepreneurship, whatever. Maybe I'll come to you for consulting advice when the time is right. But I'm 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 excited to do that someday. And I understand that there's like, well, you start it now is <laughs> like a natural thought. And it's not a vulnerability or growth mindset thing. It's like, a, I know the time will be right when the time is right to do that one. But for many others, there'd be a lot of things holding them back that aren't planned. So what are the most common barriers that you think hold people back from starting something that clearly you're so excited about? Uh, and how do they overcome some of those challenges? Well, one is commitment. Can you commit to the time and day? Can you commit and just show up once a week and have it ready? Then there's other things that happen. Technology failure or not having the right setup. I You may not be able to see it, but I didn't always have the setup I have now. I use boxes. I used a hair globe. I mean, not a hair globe, a glow, snow globe, a jewelry box, a ribbon and a hair tie. That was my phone stand. Like I made it work with what I had. And sometimes we get caught like it has to be perfect. I can't afford to go and use platforms like Wave or Restream or StreamYard. Well, there's other platforms that are free, which are called Instagram. Facebook, you can go live there. And in TikTok, you need a thousand. Just get to a thousand followers and then go live. You've got to start somewhere. When you're ready to start, you start and you decide, I want to bring a guest. And then something happens. We'll look at why did they forget and then look at why did they and what was their excuse and make sure when you talk to people, don't use have that same person type of personality. But you can always go live by yourself, always plan. Plan for things to go wrong because technology will always fail on you at some point in time, but always be, have grace with yourself and just be like, okay, it happened. No big deal. Keep on moving. Nobody cares. Like, it's just one of those moments. We, as people have gotten used to, okay, there's glitchy, there's this, there's that. As long as people can hear you clearly, it doesn't matter how the video looks. Really big tip because we're always worried about the camera and everything, but many times you don't know how Wi-Fi or what is going on around you. It's the audio that's really important. I feel like this is definitely one of those topics that was so worth going deep into other topics first because it just created like an incredible episode. At the same time, we could talk about these things for hours and definitely do an entire episode dedicated to this topic. So I'll just kind of ask one more pretty big question and you feel free to run with it as far as you'd like. But I do know that naturally, having done this a couple of times, you pull a few of those main points and it's really helpful and then people get into questions around branding, marketing, and being able to monetize or like, how the heck do I go full time someday? Like that kind of, you know, how do you get people to actually listen? How do you share your show? How do you brand it? And if we were to be able to make money off of something like this, what would be the path to doing that? When you know, I and you're probably going to get tired of me saying this, when you know your why, then it's easy to build off of it. So now you have this show and you have to understand the first three years of a podcast or show, it's just not going to make as much money as you would like. However, you can make money. And there are strategies and ways that even I share to my clients that the sale actually happens before the live show. 
So there's a lot of things that happen. The person has to go through your content, has to have some conversation with you in the DMs. And then there's them believing that what you have to offer is going to work for them. They have to believe. Like we forget, we may have this amazing product, but if they don't believe you can help them because they haven't seen you go through it, then they're not going to make the purchase. And so that's like one of the things that you have to show all the time, show the behind the scenes, show your journey, show how you put things together. So when you get ready to make an offer, then you can also when you want to work with sponsors, think about this. Sometimes you're not going to get sponsors right away because they are like, well, why? But you can say on a trial basis for six months, let's see how this goes. Use that data so that you can go and approach other people because many people want to, at the end of the day, they want to make money. So if you don't have results or you don't have a way to show them that they can make money, they're not going to invest. Or they'll get mad and say, well, I don't see my investment. It just it takes a little bit of work before the belief comes. I saw this in a reel on Instagram and I'll probably see it many more times, but you got to put in the work. So you got to do sometimes some free work before you get paid, but you can get paid. I remember it was seven months I was going live and somebody reached out to me and said, I will pay you for your time to help me understand who, what I should look for when I had a VA business. That's six months. And then when I actually started my business, it was a year and a month later before I started making recurring income. I feel like for a lot of people, they don't necessarily believe that they're going to be able to, you know, actually see those things come true. Like what, again, brings it full circle because we talked about that a little bit early on that people see other people doing it. You mentioned comparing yourself to others, but they don't necessarily believe that they can be the person who ends up monetizing their show in that way. I know I gave you like a, a massive beast of a question because I just like naturally, I know that we're going to have to to wrap here in a second. And I just wanted to make sure that you didn't leave anything out that would help people. And one thing that I mentioned too was the idea of like branding the show and something that you're really strong at. So what would be something that you would tell people to do when they're thinking about branding or marketing the show too? So when you think about your branding, the branding is understanding that branding is more about what people think about you. So what are you, if you are going to be somebody of, as a source for providing really good information or news, be that source and be credible. Don't allow somebody to come in and tarnish that. And branding is also how do you show up in, it's not just the logos or the colors. It's all of that combined. I don't have a logo yet, but I do have a very, I know my coloring, my branding kit. And then the marketing is just, again, you've got to promote yourself. Nobody else is going to. You got to put yourself out there. So you've got to do your posts, do your, do your videos, understand what is the strategy? Where are you taking this person? If they're coming into your orbit, how are you introducing the topics and what are you going to be sharing? How are you leading them to your live show or your podcast? And the same time, go live by yourself. And this is where you can practice the offer. Alex Harmazi says, you will be making an offer a hundred times before you start making money on that one offer. Just don't start. Don't Just don't stop. So the people that you see are making money is because they have been, they have not been afraid to make the offer. And I'm one of them. I did not care 
even now I don't make money on every on the same offer I've been offering for a while. It doesn't bother me because what has happened is I tweak it and I learn and I grow. So same thing with your marketing. You'll notice, hey, if I put it in the stories on Instagram two hours before, if I put a post about it, now I'm getting more people in. But what if I add uh, getting into their DMs and inviting them or What if I add, I'm pretty big on Twitter. What if I add that I have a show coming up? Like think outside of the box and where are they coming from and drawing to. So that's the part of marketing that we don't always talk about. We always think it's one platform. Actually, you can use multiple platforms to draw people to where you want them to go. I love how personalized that is. And that's why you're such a great coach, I'm sure, because you can, as you mentioned, Twitter, like go to where the people are and help them kind of create solutions for this marketing problem, which is really awesome. Uh, But we do borrow from others. And before I tackle the theme rapid fire questions, I know you mentioned Gary Vee a couple of times. You've mentioned Alex Hermosi and Jay Shetty. If there were any other resources or people who have inspired you or motivated you as kind of those heroes or mentors, who are some other people that you would maybe mention? I would say they are Kizzy Kizzy Parks. She does help people get government contracts. Then there is Robert Berry. There is my creative director, and he is John Bellens. And there is Sono Baskaran. She's on LinkedIn. There's Alec and Robbie from the CEO Sphere. There's Sun Yi that I go to. I'm in his uh, storytelling group. And there's so many, but these are people. These are Some of them are really well-known, and some of them are not but they all are a circle of influence. They're all really what helped me. There's even Tuan and Corey and a client of mine, the sales ninja, Jay Lee. There's Lefty, a video with Lefty, I think that's what his name. But these are just people that I actually listen and watch their content. They're doing well in their industry. Uh, Nasheen, she helps people like C-suite, so that means CEOs, executives, directors, get confident on camera to speak. And they give such good tips. And of course, they're not the Gary Vee's. They're not the, uh, I, I guess, I can't think of all of the really famous people that everybody listens to because I'm not always listening to them. I'm actually listening to, like, looking at the content of my friends. And then there's people that I, I don't know their names off the mind. It happens. <laughs> but I watch their content all the time. I'm always reading books. Uh, Lily Singh comes to mind because I'm reading her book, How to Be a Triangle. So... These are just several. Oh, um, David Goggins. I read his book. It was really good. Never finished. That means like, don't allow your circumstances. You could be hurt, but you can still keep going and fighting. Or Tim Grover. He used to be the coach for Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, all of these superstars. And his whole attitude of winning doesn't care for you or I. Winning goes to the person who put in the work. That's the truth with so much other context and nuance. But all that I really appreciate because that's definitely kind of how I 
feel about the idea of just keep learning, you know, the especially the, the Goggins reference. And I appreciate that you pointed out that everyone you listed off, I've never seen anyone list that many people that quickly, which was really special and cool how you're able to pay tribute to them and give them that quick, you know, send them their flowers quickly like that, because a lot of people do just mention Gary Vee and Oprah. And it's like, okay, that, that is awesome. Of course, I'd love to know why you love those people, or we can kind of pull quotables from them. But the fact that you took it in another direction was, I think, shows your character. Uh, in terms of the theme questions, the first one that I always ask is if you were to have to, of all this wisdom that we've talked about and all the, the, the knowledge that you have, if you were leaving legacy through one piece of advice for the next generation, what would that one thing be? Step out of your comfort zone. Just get out of it because you don't grow there. I can't really drop this style of mic, but uh, <laughs> neither can you, but that's definitely a good one. Uh, one thing that you were learning, you know, it could be completely off topic from entrepreneurship, podcasting, going live, but maybe it is part of it. I know you referenced earlier that you quarter over quarter try and have one or two things to focus on, but maybe something completely random too. Either way, something that you are stepping outside your comfort zone to learn about right now. It's really getting comfortable with the fact that at my age, I'm not going to get in the shape that I would like, but I'm understanding that at this age, I'm 43, that how I eat, what I eat really will affect my body. So that has nothing to do with entrepreneurship. It's all about because part of entrepreneurship, part of success is your sleep your thoughts, what you eat, exercise, movement, all of these things play a role. And so just like anybody else, when you get upset, what is it that you go to? I tend to go to food and like sweets. I'm trying to teach myself to focus more on eating nutritious and being cognizant of what I'm putting into my body and trying to drink more water. Like that's a struggle bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Well, I'm cheering for you for sure. And I'm here if you ever need to chat about it. The final one before we talk about kind of your own uh, resources and, and contact is just if I were to flip the mic to you, you've already asked me questions before on your show. But if today in this moment, you had a question for me that you thought may help my audience or something along the lines of these topics we've gotten into, what is a question that comes to mind? Looking back at your journey, at one point in your life, did you realize that you knew that you had this gift of being able to connect with others, especially those younger than you? Do you know if you've already asked me this? I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember if I did. The reason I ask is because I'm, it'd be so cool to compare. No, it's because of storytelling and learning that our life in our instances Every experience you connect the dots leads us to where we are today. That's special. It may be a lot more powerful and concise than I can do in terms of replying right now on the spot, but I feel like the short answer is definitely no. One of the things that's been a theme of this episode for sure is the idea that in hindsight, it's kind of easier to look back at these life lessons and to put myself back in the shoes of a teenager and try and have empathy for what it was like. I can very much remember what it was like to have panic attacks for different reasons like fear of death or you know, not wanting to go to work or super random things that I still don't know why they happened, but not be able to do anything about it, whereas now I could handle it. So I, I think similar to that, looking back, my answer would be no. And maybe I'm just starting to realize that I have, I don't know if you 
said ability or something, but to connect with people. Like, I, I don't even know that, that I fully even realized that until people like you just asked me that question. Like, I guess I'm still realizing it. But when I look back, I do see many moments where like I was chipping in, helping people in foster care. Or when I was in the sixth grade, I used to volunteer in a daycare for like pre-kindergarten kids. When I was in the 12th grade, I was coaching seventh and eighth grade sports. And then when I was in university, I was working with special needs kids as a one-to-one so they could just go to day camp. And all those times existed, people would, you know, kind of make comments about like how there's like, you know, dog whisperers or those different kinds of brands being like a teen whisperer kind of thing. Once I got into adulthood where a lot of youth that they thought nobody would be able to get calmed down or like connect with all of a sudden I could connect with. So looking back, there's like evidence that I could be like a life detective on and be appreciative, I guess. But in building any of our own confidence, I think a lot of us, like I don't feel like that I ever really knew that to answer the question truthfully, but I do appreciate that it exists, I suppose. Well, this would be a great exercise for you to start jotting down in writing because I didn't know until I was asked that question earlier this year that it has become something that it's like every time I talk to somebody, I'm like, oh my gosh. For example, when I was younger, I always would role play and pretend I had a show. Always. Because I loved a full house. So I'd always pretend that I was doing that opening. Guess what I'm doing now? I have my own show. So that's just something that when you piece everything together and you start to do, and sometimes things come up that you didn't even remember. You're like, oh my God, I remember that. Like that happened a few weeks ago. Somebody talked about, I pretended that I had a show when I was younger and it hit me and I was like, I did the same thing. Yeah. And one thing that you're really strong at for sure is networking, you know, doing outreach to people. That's something we didn't really touch on too much, but again, could be an entire episode in and of itself. The ability to, how do you get your first guest if you want to create an interview show? But you do have a great skill set in that way. So first off, thank you, because we wouldn't have been connected otherwise. And yeah, definitely a pat on the back for you that way. I just appreciate being able to create like this with you. And at the same time, bringing value to others. That's what's super cool. Yeah. So the last theme question is always why, and then where would people find you online? Why you would want to find me online is because either you're looking for ways to get started on live streaming or podcasting or to get confident on camera. You are thinking about what kind of businesses are out there. If you check out my street live streaming shows, all three of them, then you would be able to be introduced to different industries that are out there. The other reason to reach out to me is because you know what, you want a place to be able to go live or share a video and not worry about trolls or harsh comments because in my free Facebook community, I don't allow that. The first thing that will happen is you'll get kicked out because I don't encourage it. And then if you are someone who's listening to this and you have the desire to start a live streaming show, but no time and you don't even have time for your social media and you would like to hire a team, my team and I can take care of all of that. Awesome. And where do people go to find that? You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. As Shri or I know Next Level. Well, so Instagram, it's Next Love Consulting. 
underscore Shri. It's a little weird. But on LinkedIn, I'm Shri Mahabir. And on Twitter, I'm Mahabir Shri. And on TikTok, I'm my name. And Facebook, I'm my name. But if you find one, you'll get my link tree and you can find all. Awesome. And I was just going to say that obviously I'll link them all in the show notes and on the blog post anyways. So people will be able to find you if they're going down that step of getting into the actual apps and then kind of following that link tree. So aside from that, I know that this is one of those things where it's like we could uh, do as hundreds of episodes to exaggerate. And so to wrap this one, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time. You're doing great things. And I just can't wait to see all the other great things that you get up to in terms of helping people, which is such a huge part, not just your brand, but your own mission and why. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. Of course. All right, JKL listeners. Thank you so much for being here. I know I say it every episode, but it really, really, really means a lot. It's not easy to build podcasts, and I believe greatly in having the courage to speak our own goals out into the universe. One of my challenging goals, as we probably all well know, is to help millions of people achieve their own dreams through this show. So please do continue to pass it along. And if you haven't joined the newsletter yet, be sure to sign up at newsletter.justkeeplearning.ca. The newsletter is a space where I'm really putting a ton of time into making sure that it helps you a ton, shared every Wednesday with a tip, resources, and a mini essay on how to succeed in a creator business. I also shout out a fellow creator, maybe it could be you, someone who's just getting started or someone who's well on their way that I've learned from in the past, but definitely check out the newsletter. And thank you to our guest, Shri. I feel like a lot of people would be tied, but no one would be better than her when it comes to setting an example of building a creator business the right way, especially when some of the odds are stacked against us. As always, we love getting your DMs and comments about the show. If you have any input on guests or topics, please don't be shy. Just let us know. Until the next episode, all the best. And remember, just keep learning. You're one step closer to making your big dreams come true, but there's plenty more where that came from. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you know anyone who might love the show, send them a link. We'll see you next time on Just Keep Learning with Justin at Just Tries.